I had a student come back to me. He just barely graduated from Berkeley and thanked me because he said that experiment was kind of the clincher of him wanting to then explore computer science. Well, if you can really spark that inquiry level, then it's science is everywhere. Science is all around us. Hello, and welcome to Twig Science On Phenomena. Today, I have the pleasure to talk to Charlene Harzma, who is a fourth grade teacher who used Twig Science in her classroom. We are going to discuss using phenomena to inspire kids and how science is all around us. Hello, Charlene. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you, Christopher. So excited to talk to you today about phenomena. So I just want to talk to you about your experience. Did your district have any training? Walk me through the steps of NGSS for you guys. Well, we have training for us, and we had several different products that we were using as they were training for the NGSS when we started using Twig. I think in our minds, phenomena is a whole lot different than what would be in the kids' minds. And in this big, giant, you know, phenomena, crazy asteroid hitting the Earth phenomena kind of thing. But for children, it is very simple. And so I really felt like using that word phenomena it brought me back down to the kids' level and helped really drive home all of those scientific ideas and scientific standards that we're trying to teach through NGSS. Phenomena happens all around us. It's mm-hmm. something so simple. Mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so you got to use Twig, obviously. You use that in your classroom. Can you just kind of walk through that experience? Anything that really stuck out to you that you really enjoyed about the program? Well, I think I would always try to think about, you know, the module having its own anchor phenomena. And then I tried to actually take it a step farther down for the kids' learning. For instance, like module three with the weathering and erosion that it talked about the Grand Canyon in the the curriculum. I actually took it down a step further and really tried to find where is erosion happening right here in their own neighborhoods. The sidewalk and the playground blacktop had started to buckle. So I actually took the phenomena idea that they tried to teach in Twig and actually brought it down to the kids' own playground. Why is the sidewalk and the blacktop by the tree all buckled and different than, you know, just beyond where it's all flat and smooth. And so I even took it that level. And then as we went through the driving questions, they were able to then bring that back and we'd come back to the tree and said, okay, from what you've just learned, what's happening here? And they could literally see it in their environment on the playground. Yeah, you can't beat that. I mean, that's some real world learning right there. And right. when it's applicable to their lives mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, I totally get it. Right. I'm sure you got to see that little aha moment that they had. It was. And another aha that was my favorite is, you know, and again, back to the playground, kids, you know, like they're always running into each other and they're always having accidents. So for module one, it talks about energy and force and momentum. I always brought the scenario, okay, well, student A and student B were running on the playground and they run into each other and student B ends up ricocheting off and falling three feet back. Why does that happen? So as we were going through module one and learning about that, then we come back to the end and they say, okay, so what happened to our two students? And they were able to really put in that student B probably weighed less than student A and and taking a step, well, what would make student B fall even further? Well, student A is moving faster than student B, you know. So um, when you bring the phenomena down to their level like that, it's just amazing. The light bulbs, you can literally see. I know that's, you know, 
cliche, but you literally see the light bulb going on in their heads and the learning occurring and they're adapting those science standards to their lives. That's so cool. I didn't even think about that. Then that's something that happens every day in the playground. It's something so simple that... Right. And that's the beauty of using phenomena is, again, from an adult level, we think phenomena has to be something gigantic and something, you know, really obscure. But for kids, it's literally that easy. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's making me like, oh, my gosh, how did I never think about this? (laughs) It was fun. (laughs) Yeah. Happens every day on the playground. You'd be like, you're okay. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But science is all around us and you can connect back to many different things and just even kids hitting each other on the playground. Right. That's pretty cool. So you got to use Swig in your classroom. Mm -hmm. Was there a specific module that you really liked? Early, actually, when I was piloting the program, there was one afternoon we were in the classroom and we're learning and we're just, you know, the kids were independently working. I was working in a small group and all of a sudden the ground started to shake. It wasn't a big shake. It wasn't anything traumatic. But all of a sudden, the kids were like, and we were, so it was funny. They immediately started to try to make sense of it. Our school was near an airport. So they thought one of the private jets was going really, sometimes they go really low and they're right over the top of our, our our building was two stories. And so they were really close over the top. And sometimes it would rattle the building, but they could clearly feel that this was a jolt on the ground. And it ended up being a very small earthquake on the Calaveras fault line. And um, the epicenter was down in San Jose. So it was far away from us. So no damage occurred. That moment we went through, and I didn't know it because I was still piloting. It didn't know what, okay, I know earthquakes is in our curriculum. So I went back and looked to find the module that talked about earthquakes. It ended up being, you know, earthquake engineering, and it was module four. And we immediately took that feeling. And then it was awesome because then one of the driving questions was talking about the earthquake in San Francisco in 1904, 1906, sorry. And so we thought, okay, well, look at the destruction that occurred there and nothing occurred here, but you felt the shaking here. So what magnitude would that earthquake have had to have been in San Francisco to cause that much damage? Um, So I was able to take that little thing. And so from then on, I fell in love with the earthquake engineering because then the kids could really see and it, it helped them to have a little bit more of an understanding of magnitude and the difference in the numbers that they rate the strength of an earthquake. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, earthquake engineering, that ended up being my favorite. And, of course, I'm a huge earth science fan. I'm a huge, like, plate tectonics and that kind of stuff. So it really wasn't that hard for me to fall in love with that one. <laughs> so, first of all, that's, like, always my biggest fear, teaching in California, that we'd have a massive earthquake while I was in the classroom. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I remember growing up and being, like, duck and covering it under your desk. Mm-hmm. But as a teacher... Oh, it was... Yeah. You know, we'd go through all the training, but that is the first time, you know, I had a class of 33 kids, 33, 9, and 10-year-olds, and that was the first time they all stopped and were not talking. And it was silent. And the looks on their face was like, what was that? And I was like, <laughs> dang, how can I simulate that so that I can get you guys to stop talking? <laughs> right? <laughs> that little earthquake simulation to, right, be to right. bring them back to captivate their attention at a quick time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. Oh my God, that's a million dollar idea. <laughs> I get That's another great remote connection that you're able to bring to your students. I mean, that's some natural phenomena that happens. And it's a freak accident. It can be a scary experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hopefully all the kids who are students, you know, we're training them to take on those STEM roles with it. Hopefully they really help us make some earthquake-proof buildings. Right, exactly. They go into that retrofitting. We might need that. (laughs) Can you describe a successful lesson that you taught? 
How would you say your most successful lesson was and why was it so successful? Goodness, let me think. I've got to condense it because it could be a, a very long story. But at the end of the year, I always did a science simulation. And I don't know if you're familiar with Biosphere 2 in Arizona. It's the the government's trying to simulate life on like Mars. They created an enclosed environment, um, simulated all the different biospheres, and then they sent scientists in, locked them in and tried to see, can you actually sustain life inside this sealed environment. It was to see if they could create life on Earth. Big, giant NASA, you know, experiment. It didn't go well. But I actually simulated, I took it a step further and I took did Biosphere 3 in my classroom. So I put the kids into four teams. They all had a job. Like I had a crew captain. I had a crew doctor. I had a crew, you know, agricultural specialist, oceanographer. And they all had their own experiments to do. For instance, the oceanographer, um, they had a job and I, you know, your ocean is polluted, you know, plastic or whatever kind of pollution. What are you going to do to solve that problem? And what can you do? And so they would always explore different ways. I had an entomologist and so the entomologist was, you know, trying to figure out this super hybrid bug that they could use in there to either eat other bugs, you know, kind of like ladybug aphid kind of relationship. Or to to either help produce pollination or soil and trying to do composting kind of stuff. So each one of the kids had a job and they had a, an area to explore. And that actually, I had a student come back to me. He just barely graduated from Berkeley. And he went into computer science. And that was his major. And he came back to me, and to the school, and thanked me because he said that experiment, Biosphere 3, is what caused me to then explore computer science because I had him doing the uh, communication specialist. And so he was the one that was communicating all the ideas back to mission control and how the team was doing. And then he was also trying to explore opportunities that they could use with computers and solar energy and that kind of stuff. So he came back to me and told me that that was kind of the clincher of him wanting to then explore computer science. And he graduated from Cal with the degree. And I think science and science is something that evokes curiosity. And if you can really spark that inquiry level, then it's science is everywhere. Science is all around us. I've always had a love for science. I (laughs) always think about like how impactful our teaching jobs are. You really do have that effect on students. You know, yeah, it may take a few years to be able to see what a really true effect you had on your students, Mm -hmm. but... I was almost like, God, like almost crying. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I, you know, I just ad- adored him for coming back and telling me yes. that. In the end, when he came back, I gave him the biggest hug. I'm like, you just made my career. <laughs> so I always think back to how important it is to really, uh, you know, expose our students to those STEM careers and just, I mean, any career in general. Mm-hmm. My favorite quote is from Sally Ride, and she says, you know, you can't be what you can't see. Uh-huh. Right. And if we don't expose our students to any of these careers, I mean, they're never going to know that Mm-mm. that's something potentially right. they can, you know, take on one day. Right. And I always approach science from a perspective of, I didn't tell them step by step how to do something. I just let them explore, let you figure out, take your thinking skills and try to figure this out and try to pave the way a little bit. And then I would come in and do, you know, just little tips and tricks and little, you know, things for them to get them. But uh, they were driving their learning. Science just lends itself so beautifully to that. They drove their own learning by them figuring it out and trying to sort it out and make sense of it. That's the beauty of science. You were an early 
implementer didn't even probably know it. You helped <laughs> right. pave the way for NGSS. <laughs> you got to get away from those cookie cutter recipe, mm-hmm. you know, investigations that we I grew up doing in yeah. science, but I didn't really learn how to be like a scientist. Right. You know, I learned how to follow a recipe. Mm-hmm. Right. So. That is exactly what it is. And I remember, you know, early in my career, setting up science experiments where it was step by step by step and that every single group, I made sure that it all had the same outcome and they didn't have a chance to think through it themselves or to, you know, make decisions and, well, let's see what this does. So let's see what that does. And, oh, well, that didn't work. Okay, well, let's try something different. You know, it, it was never autonomous. It was always very recipe driven. It was such a relief to me as with Twig Science comes the, the kits of all the supplies you need for any of the experiments, any of the activities. So that was like, oh, I didn't have to go to different stores and like get all of my supplies unrelated yeah. to what we were talking about. But I just, yeah. Yeah, one of the greatest part about Twig is that it they have those kits with all your supplies all in one place. Everything's ready for you. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for uh, talking to me about Phenomena and using Twig in your classroom and just absolutely amazing to hear how you, you know, how you highlighted how easy it was to to bring phenomena, real world phenomena to the classroom and, you know, bring it down to, like you said, to that student level for them to be able to understand what phenomena is. And it's, it's not, amazing. it's not rocket science. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want to put a pun in there, but it isn't rocket science to bring it down to their level. Yeah. Well, thank you again for talking with me and it's really nice to see you and we'll talk to you guys later. You're very welcome. 